Amen. Amen. Whew, thank you. Thank you so much to our praise and worship team. There's just such an anointing that's already here in this house, and I'm so excited. Thank you so much. Can we get just a big clap offering for our mighty King, Jesus, Holy Spirit that's already here. So I want to join Majors Phil and, and Majors Debbie, and so good to have them back home and welcoming you all this morning. Um, my name is Yvonne, in case you don't know who I am. Hi, yeah. And I'm just super blessed to be in the house of the Lord with you this morning. So yes, thank you all for being here. So everybody have a good week? You had a great week? Yeah, yeah. So how was that baseball? You guys watched the World Series? Yeah, your team lost? That's okay. No losers in that one. That was great, right? Dodger fans in the house? Yeah, that's you. Yeah. Any Houston Astro fans? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, that was like um, just such great baseball going on, right? That whole series, all those games. And do you know that in the World Series this year, 2017, the Astros and the Dodgers broke 18 records. That's amazing, right? Together, they had 25 home runs. They beat a record previously set in 2002 of 21 with the Giants and the Angels. The Astros alone had 15 home runs, right? And then here's one that maybe if you were him, you wouldn't want to be holder of this record. Dodger Cody Bellinger, he struck out 17 times, right? Previous record was 13. That's right. But the kid is just 22, very young, lots of baseball ahead of him. So praise God for that, right? So that had nothing to do with my message today. It's just that when I think of these two communities, it's so much more than even about the World Series, than about baseball. When I think of this, these two communities and all that they have been through recently, the hurricanes in Houston, the fires in LA, the lives that were lost, the properties that were totally wiped out, the devastation for both areas beyond what we care to imagine, it was just so great to see them represent so well in the World Series. And my prayer during my time of watching the, the World Series was that in the peaks and valleys of their journey, that somewhere in the midst of all of that, that the love of Christ was shared, that people had come to Jesus, and that God was glorified. Amen. All right. So here's a little piece of church trivia for you. People pronounce the word amen differently, right? Some use the long A and say amen, while others use the amen. Do you know the difference? All right, I'll tell you the difference. Amen with the long A is said like in a prayer. In the name of Jesus, amen. While amen is sung like after the benediction we sing at every service. So just a little tidbit of trivia for you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> All right. Would you join me in prayer before we get into the message? Lord, Father God, oh, we're just so blessed to be here in your presence. But Lord, you're here, you're there, you're everywhere, Father God. And so Lord, I just ask that you would be with us this morning and in the busyness of life, Father God, that you would still us. 
that we would be still and know that you are God. Father God, still our minds and open our hearts to everything that you have for us today. Help us to receive it, Father God. Help us, just like we sang in the song, to say yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, to you and all that we have. Father, may our lives bring glory unto your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. Yeah, amen. 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 Yeah. So week six of our sermon series is here. This is actually the wrap-up of the Lord's Prayer. And I'm thinking that because we have said it so many times together, right? We have prayed it so many times together in the past six weeks, or today makes six weeks, that we have probably memorized it. So today, we're going to pray it together for one more time. And I'm thankful because now that we said it so many times, and you probably memorized it, that you can really use that prayer for your life anywhere, while you're driving in the car, while you're at work, anywhere. So let's together pray the Lord's Prayer. Amen. All right, pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. That's from Matthew 6, 9 to 13. All right. So we're going to focus on the last line there, which says, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So it's interesting to note, here's a little academics about this phrase, that it's interesting to note that this phrase doesn't appear in every Bible. I don't know if you already knew that. For instance, it's not in my NIV Bible. So if you have an NIV Bible like I do, you'll look up Matthew 6, 9 to 13. You'll look at the end of it, and you will not see this line. In fact, in my Bible, I kind of like wrote it in there. The Roman Catholic Bible and, my, and the modern Bible versions of the prayer are said not to have this ending either. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen, is called the doxology of the Lord's Prayer, and it's commonly used by Protestant Bibles. And doxology just means to give glory. So if you were to look up this line in the commentaries, as you know, you're studying or you're curious, you want to know why or why not the Bible uses a different phrase, the phrase or not, it can get rather complicated. So just know this, that when you pray, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen, what you are saying is this, that the kingdom belongs to God that the power belongs to God, that the glory belongs to God. And this doxology is saying to God, Lord, it's all about you, not about me. So kingdom, for thine is the kingdom. To have a kingdom, we must have a king, right? And I think we can all agree that God is our king. So God is our king, but where is his kingdom? Is it just in heaven? 
Is it a physical place here on earth? Like the majors were in the Holy Land in Israel this past two weeks. Is that where God's kingdom is? Is God's kingdom more in a spiritual realm? How do we even know if we are part of God's kingdom? So to answer these questions, let's go to the book of John chapter 3. John chapter 3 is a story about Jesus and a man named Nicodemus. And Jesus is having a teaching moment with Nicodemus. Let's look at chapter 3. It says, Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. And Jesus replies to Nicodemus, he says, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. So Nicodemus is a little perplexed there. And he says back to Jesus, or he asks, he says, How can someone be born when they are old? Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb and be born. So this is very interesting. You see, Nicodemus is a very smart man. He's a scholar. He's a leader of the Jews. He's a member of the Sanhedrin, which is the ruling body of the Jews that oversaw religious matters. Nicodemus is such a smart man, but... He was obviously clueless in his conversation with Jesus. What do I mean by that? See, Jesus is speaking in the spirit, but Nicodemus' understanding is only in the flesh. And so Jesus is taking this teaching moment to try and close the gap. Nicodemus asked Jesus, how can someone be born when they are old? Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Now, many of us, if asked that question, we'd probably kind of roll our eyes and think, is he serious? Because we know that's physically impossible, right? But Jesus, being Jesus, is compassionate and patient, and he continues to speak with Nicodemus in a very straight manner. Jesus says to him in verse 10, you are Israel's teacher, because remember Nicodemus was a part, was a Sanhedrin, and he was part of this council that presided, if you will, over religious matters, so he knew a lot. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? See, Nicodemus knew that there was something about Jesus, because they didn't know Jesus like we know today. They, didn't, they don't have like all these things that we have today, right, to speak to us about Jesus. But he knew that there was something about this Jesus because Jesus had just turned water into wine. He was developing a huge following. 
Jesus had cleared the temple courts of those who had turned his father's house into a marketplace. And Nicodemus saw this boldness in Jesus. But Nicodemus was still cautious because of his own highly regarded reputation. He wasn't sure what to make of Jesus or what others might think if he aligned himself with Jesus. So he comes to speak with Jesus in the cover of night. And Jesus, after a very long day, receives and teaches Nicodemus. Now think about this. Don't we all just have a little bit of Nicodemus in us? You know, you have that desire to follow Jesus, but you kind of keep it on the down low so people don't think you're weird. Maybe you're that closet Christian in certain situations. After all, You've established this highly regarded reputation at the office or on the team or in the family. And what would they think of you if they knew that you were a follower of Jesus? How many Nicodemuses do you know? Maybe they're like super smart in the things of this world. Maybe they even are leaders in their part of the world. Like Nicodemus, they may even know a lot about religion but they don't have an understanding about salvation. Do we take that teaching moment like Jesus did with Nicodemus to share what it means to be born again so that others can see the kingdom of God? Jesus said it. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. And if Jesus said it, is it true? Yes, absolutely true. You see, the phrase born again literally means born from above. Nicodemus had a real need. He needed a change of heart. And how many of us need a change of heart? Nicodemus had a need. He needed and desired a spiritual transformation. How many of us want and need a spiritual transformation. Being born again is an act of God because it is God who gives eternal life to the one who believes. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone, anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. Titus 3.5 says this, he saved us, not because of righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy. And praise God for his mercy that he hasn't give us, given us what we actually deserved. He saved us through the washing and renewal by the Holy Spirit. 1 Peter 1.3 says this, Praise be to God and Father, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, in his mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Amen. Church, you have to be born again to see the kingdom of God. See, you can come to church every Sunday and sit in that seat. You can come every day, in fact, and sit in that seat. But until you are born again, 
you will not see the kingdom of God. Jesus said it, and if Jesus said it, then it's true. It's not my idea. It's not your idea. Jesus said it. To be born again, you must believe that Christ died on the cross and rose again from the dead. So why does a person need to be born again? Because all of us, sinners, are spiritually dead. But when we receive spiritual life through faith in Christ, the Bible likens it to, to rebirth, to being born again. Ephesians 2.1 says this, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So church, being born again means trusting in Jesus Christ, the one who paid the penalty for our sins when he died on that cross. John 3.16 says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, whosoever shall believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. How many of you want to have everlasting life in the kingdom of God, right? Amen. You better raise your hand. <laughs> Amen. So I'm going to call Matt to the piano. And today, this is the message today, that if you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and be born again, if you want to see the kingdom of God, if you want to live in eternity with our King, then I'd be so honored to lead you in this simple prayer. This prayer is a way to express to God your faith in him, and to thank him for providing for your salvation. To thank Jesus for dying on the cross. The cross that he died on in our place. Like he wasn't even deserving, right? Christ was sinless. But he was the sacrifice. He without sin was the sacrifice for our sins. And so if you would, if everybody would bow your head and just repeat after me this prayer. And it's not just about reciting the prayer, but it's really about believing in what Jesus has done for us and receiving him into your heart, and truly wanting to live a life for Christ. So I'm going to lead us in this prayer. And in the first service, I was such a crybaby, so I promised to try to not to be that way. But let's pray this prayer, and if you would repeat after me, say, Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner, I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and you rose from the dead. I place my trust in you for salvation 
And I thank you for your wonderful grace and forgiveness. I thank you for the gift of eternal life. Amen. You know, if you would just keep your eyes and heads low for a little bit more, I just want to ask, is there anyone that prayed that prayer for the very first time? If you would just slip your hands up. Awesome. Awesome. Praise God. Praise God. Great. God is so good. God is so good. If you prayed that prayer for the very first time and you commit your heart to live for Jesus and along with the rest of us who have already done so, I want to say to you, welcome to the kingdom of God. I am so excited for what God is going to do in and through you from here out. And I'm not saying that life is going to be totally easy because we have accepted Christ and we have committed to live for him. Sometimes it can be quite the opposite. But I want you to know that when you receive Christ into your heart, that he gives you the power to do whatever it is that he has called you to do. And I'm praying, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May his power work mightily in and through you. May your life bring much glory unto his name. And if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, I just want to encourage you to stay planted, to stay planted here, to surround yourself with those who love Christ, who are followers of Christ, because they're going to help build you up in your walk with Jesus. And that's so important, because I will also tell you this, that the enemy is not going to sit still because you have committed to live for Jesus. But we already know the end from the beginning that Jesus, because he went on the cross for our sins, that we already win. That we already win. And so I want to congratulate each and every hand that went up that you recited this prayer and received Jesus in your heart for the very first time. I want to say good on you good on you. I'm so excited for you. And I just want to close us in prayer, if you would bow your heads. Father God, Lord, you're such a good, good God, Lord. And Father, your heart is to see each and every one of us in your kingdom, Lord. And Father, I thank you. I thank you for the hands that were raised this morning, Father God. May all glory be unto you, Father. Father, I just pray that your hand would be upon them, Lord, and that you would surround them with people who love you, who can help them to walk out your purpose for their lives, Father. Father, I thank you and I pray over everyone that is here, Father God, that when you bring into our path someone who doesn't know you, Father, that we would take the opportunity to have a teaching moment just like Jesus did with Nicodemus. Father, we're so thankful that you love us unconditionally, even when we fall short, Lord. I thank you that you love us anyway. And so, Father, we praise you. 
we honor you. We give you much glory, honor, and praise for who you are in our lives. I thank you for the majors, Father God, for Phil and Debbie Lum, Father, their leadership, their obedience, Heavenly Father, their perseverance towards your children. And we look forward to next week when they share what you have put into their hearts, Father. Lord, we love you. We honor you. May everything that we do this week be pleasing unto you. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.